Hi, Jeremy. Hello, Raphael. Hey. Um, how are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Enjoying a rainy day in the summer. It's actually like a rare treat when it rains in the summer. So Toronto is 500 in the summer and minus 500 in the winter. <laughs> it does get hot in the summer, yeah. But it, I is it is there a spring or fall? Yeah, it's like it's like a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found a roach in the bathroom today. Oh no, New York! Is that is that mean <laughs> the neighborhood? The neighborhood's going downhill or something? No, no. I I think over the course of the six years that I've lived here, it happened maybe five times that I found one. Oh my god! Um, but uh, one time I found one in the bedroom. That was really, it was crawling on the bed. Oh, did you tell and Christina? Then, yeah, but then I got this. Um, kit or whatever you call that glue sort of stuff so to close up all the holes that I could find and then it was okay but uh, uh, it's uh, one of those things no no it's true we had <laughs> we had creepy. we had ants in our apartment I was like how do I have ants in a condominium this is <laughs> where are they coming <laughs> well here it, 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 our building is really old and the neighborhood is filthy so it makes sense mm-hmm. but uh, we've been lucky that because I, I hear even people living in a brand new building in a in a high rise in a new neighborhood and you still get, it's just the density of population is mm-hmm. uh, intense yeah and the climate yeah yeah and cockroaches are, are are awesome really in a way so well yeah if you read up about them they've been here far before us and they'll be here long after us and we're just we're basically their guests oh yeah that's a good way of thinking about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh i don't know if they survive radiation or they probably do yeah, I was thinking of like, what's a good segue from this? Like, speaking of cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, what happened this week, it, it, very suddenly, I got this feeling of self-consciousness about the, the podcast, about this very strange feeling of like speaking uh, openly and all your opinions, but in public. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel self-conscious if it's not recorded. And I think most people feel self-conscious just speaking their mind online unfiltered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i don't know why suddenly i had this and so i had this feeling that we should take a break yeah um but i wanted to discuss the different aspects of voicing your opinion and putting your opinion to words as an artist and how that feels yeah yeah and like i mean when we started this uh, podcast i think it's worth noting that what we wanted to do was write but you know or both of us felt like we had all these ideas that we weren't writing down or blogging about or writing essays about it's like i don't know it's a, it's a certain important thing you're supposed to do as an artist write down your thoughts like <laughs> well that, yeah yeah um, and, and there's like, been different different moments in art history where they even said an artist has to cut off his or her tongue if you truly want to speak with your brush and so uh, if, if your brain generates concepts and you're putting them to words then maybe that energy goes mm. into the words more than on the canvas. Did anyone follow through on that? Or was that like one like really like heroic artist that's talked a lot, made all the other smaller artists cut off their tongues? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I was starting I was starting to feel that way about certain topics that uh, you might discuss yeah. strange observations and then resolve them in a, a conversation. And then it feels like you don't think about it. Like, it, it goes in from the inbox and then to the archival folder, and you're like, okay, that's I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you were saying, I think one thing that it was interesting that you said is like, if you talked about it on the podcast, you wouldn't necessarily 
have the space in your head to explore it or be vulnerable with it on your own, like to create a work from it. Yeah, and and also um, I feel like the brain is a bit like, you know, that meme of uh, uh, every day is upper body day and you forget your legs. Mm -hmm. And so there's the talking and the doing as an artist. And when you overdo the talking... Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other side of the brain uh, kind of... It, it, for me, the podcast is not just uh, talking for an hour and then it's done because that afterwards I'm like, oh, why did I say that? Yeah. Oh, why did I... Oh, maybe we should talk about it. So the whole week I'm making notes in our shared note of like, oh, that would be a good topic. We should talk about this. So it's not something of just an hour a week. Mm, that just tells me that you're like a naturally talented podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I was hiring you, I would. you're hired, Raphael, <laughs> after 90 episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> what it, a great it, young it, talent. It, it, it's th that's the same way I feel about teaching. And, and uh, I, I thought of this example of um, uh, ethics and uh, artistic interests. So I've always been uh, uh, against smoking. Both my parents were smokers. They, they gave up, uh, mm -hmm. which is very hard to do, but they did it. So bravo. And, um, but just as a kid, I remember hating the smell so much and thinking how stupid it is and expensive and unhealthy and not much benefit. And like, I understand if you if you don't like life and you do heroin, I, I understand. Mm -hmm. But doing cigarettes just seems like way more downsides than anything else. So just to, you know, I have the no smoking avatar on my social media and, I, and it's kind of a joke also. But then a friend of mine was working for an ad agency for a campaign against smoking. And he's like, oh, I want to do projects with artists. So, of course, that would be the dream project for me, right? Mm -hmm. So he's like, yeah, could you propose an interactive installation and we'll have 10 artists doing different things against smoking? And it was also a healthy budget. It wasn't even uh, that. And I would have done it for free. That wasn't the issue. Healthy as in like there was a lot of money or healthy as yeah, in it was, not it, a it, it was well compensated, okay. not like uh, um, ridiculous, but also not that you're doing it for free. Yeah, yeah. So the money wasn't the problem. And then I made this proposal that was very abstract because I like to make works based on ideas that I had before I was asked about the briefing. Mm -hmm. That's one of my principles that mm -hmm. I, I have a folder with sketches and it should come from me, not from the question. Mm -hmm. And so I proposed it and then it was too abstract and, and not literal enough and that's when I, my artistic principles go before my political principles of no smoking. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to make like a literal interactive cigarette that says this is not good for you. And, and you move the mouse around and the cigarette goes down or something. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? So, and that's the way I feel in the podcasting conversation. Of course, you want to talk about issues that are important. So yeah. one issue we could talk about, for example, I was just thinking about this, like, Tuition of art schools keeps going up, but yeah. teacher salaries don't go up. Yeah. What's going on? And so we could explore that, and you could even start a school on your own, and then you can find out how hard it is and how hard it is to create the importance for people to actually attach themselves to your school. And you could spend a lifetime building a better school that's more affordable. And I could talk about that on the podcast, too. That would be a really good idea. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so then you start activating. But you, you, I always feel like in life when they say there's these paths in front of you, and yeah. it, it really feels that way. Like You're like, okay, I could give all my energy into making better schools for people. And the, mm -hmm. But 
that's not where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting though because one thing before we like sort of talk about where you want to go, I had a teacher when I was in grad school. I think I've talked to him about him on the podcast before, Tom Sherman. I'm not sure if he's a listener. I I, I hope in my heart of hearts he is. But he had he in you know in like three years of my MFA, there's just one statement that has stuck with me um, that I share and. I mean, there's other stuff too, but one thing in particular I repeat all the time, it's almost a mantra, like your no smoking thing. Um, And he asked me one day, Jeremy, why would you ever go beyond the sketch? And I think to ask an art student, like, hey, hey, why would you go, why would you do more than the sketch? Like you mentioned you had that folder of sketches. Yeah. And I've actually spent like my whole life (laughs) trying to figure out the answer to this question. Um and exploring what a sketch is and and what you know what how far is far enough right with anything um because you could say that the podcast right now is still just a sketch right like and 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 definitely just talking about our ideas as we think of them is the closest thing i can imagine to a sketch um yeah the only argument i would have against that is that it's a verbal sketch which uh, Mm -hmm. uses a different part of the brain and you're right it does yeah, um, because you know we—it's that thing with art students where they they can talk about ideas for weeks and then it's a time for reviews and then they're really stressed because they have to figure out the actual work. If this podcast were just like musical tones, though, would <laughs> like, yeah, or just field recordings, you know, <laughs> or just field recordings. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking when because you know what we could do if we were if it was just a break. I was like, how could we fill the break? And I was like, oh, maybe we could invite other people to talk, um, uh, like just give the space up to them. Cause that's part of what we've done is like try and create space for others. Yeah. And I've always um, found that very strange, this idea of, uh, giving space in the digital cause there's infinite space. So. Of course, of course. But it's yeah. privilege that creates the space. Like, cause we have an audience of people, you know, just because we're, you're talented and I've been around a long time. So <laughs> between. The two. Yeah. But it, 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 yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother discussion because even when the, the Guggenheim or the Whitney says we made a digital online space, it still feels yeah. a bit, uh, digital spaces. It, it's like you're in the middle of the ocean and somebody, uh, uh, sectioned off a little floating thing. It's like, you can be in this little pool in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I guess YouTube is the same thing. It's like we created a space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would consider our audience to be like, it's like we created a, a party or a room and then and a bunch of people came in. Some of them have left. I'm pretty sure a lot actually you know, got bored <laughs> what we're talking about. But a few have stuck around and I still find it like a beautiful thing when I have a conversation with someone that has decided to stick around. I'm always like, what are you doing? Like, why are why are you listening? <laughs> and they talk about, uh, like I had this con- a conversation last week. I-, I mentioned to you earlier with someone from Australia, you know, like working on an artist accelerator there. And she is, and she said, well, the reason I listen is because you haven't got it all figured out, <laughs> you know, like, and I haven't either. And I'm really trying to do this new thing. And, you know, I think that's kind of what it comes down to like bottom line for me. And, and what you're talking about right now is like, you get to this point, you want to do a new thing. And the podcast was a new thing for a while. We've explored it for over a year. Like, and and by the way, like I think we're the most prolific uh, in this regard. Lowest mm-hmm. quality, highest amount of volume. Yeah, um, as it should be. <laughs> as it should be. But that vulnerability of like it not being, not knowing what it is or what it could become. That that to me is actually very close to the 
any artist's, you know, um, greatest gesture is like, is exactly what you're talking about, the exploration of the unknown. Yeah. Um, but, and so in, in the context of art, that was also, when we talk about art education and how expensive it is, a big part of me of publishing all my work online and making work for the internet is that I know that a lot of people don't live in expensive cities and they also want a, a genuine first-hand art experience. Mm-hmm. Not documentation on Instagram, but they want to see a poem or a website or a podcast or a YouTube video or an internet performance, something, f- a first-hand real experience on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big part of that for me is that I've done studio visits in expensive schools. And you probably have too. Like you do the, the, the artist talk and the studio visits. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do the studio visit with the students and my heart is just broken thinking like, they're hundred. They're probably at the end of this. They're going to be a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. And I don't really believe in their work. So I'm out of politeness. I'm trying to find where it could go. And so I feel like the podcast would be a better educational vehicle for people listening. And like, well, how do other artists get started? And how do other artists uh, mm-hmm. explore things? And how do other artists deal with doubt and uh, things like that? Well, I would hope that more that we've inspired a few people to start podcasts, and I think there are a few that have started since yeah. we started. But that's the, maybe the interesting topic of opaqueness of the art world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and in, in our attempt to be completely transparent, at times it's been uncomfortable for both of us, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, for me, the political is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah. one of the things that's uncomfortable is that. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I come from a social democratic country, so I, I understand that system and I understand that it works. And now it feels like um, identity politics is, is the hot topic and it's tearing any opportunity f- for the left to organize apart. But if I say anything against it, it makes me sound like a right winger. Mm-hmm. So it's just a very... like. If anyone of any, I'm a white straight male, so anything I say would, would that goes against anything of identity politics would come off as conservative. Yeah, and I'm sure some like folks um, are squirming right now, even as you're saying what you're saying, right? Like, yeah, exactly. So that's part of like why, and 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 the whole thing of um, everyone speaking online and everyone sharing their opinion. Uh, I understand the the. the the problems and it, like the, the fact that everybody thinks they're an expert now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I feel strongly, obviously, you know, on the other side that like, you know, my, my thing about being a famous new media artist is I really believe um, in this idea that everyone has the right to be famous. And what I mean by that is like, no one really has the right to be famous, right? Like there are, and I think you agree with this as well. And it doesn't matter if you don't do or don't, but my position usually is like, you know, um, equal opportunity as to say if you you know just because you're born in a certain neighborhood or country or whatever just like you said just because you're in a small town or or whether you can afford art school or not it shouldn't really come down to like you 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 have an equal right to a happy uh life that's that you fulfill through um you know whatever path you choose but if people are making choices for you obviously you know this is like my status quo thing right like um you know they're saying they're more important than you basically or more famous uh, I just think that that's like, um, you know, a tragedy, uh, ultimately. Yeah, it, it, it's funny that like, um, I was talking about it 
with Christina yesterday that the, the beauty standard of fashion has changed in a more diverse manner and more androgynous and more mixed race and things like that. But people still flock to beautiful skin and skinny and right proportions. And you could think, and I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is you, you could think there's a conspiracy by an industry that's trying to force that image mm -hmm. on people. But then these social platforms are pretty democratic and you can follow whoever you want. Mm. Even though there's a level of targeting, that somehow people still flock to idols. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, icons, idols, yeah. Yeah, but, but apart from all this, whatever my opinion is, whatever, when I start voicing my opinions more and more, I'm just like really uncomfortable and I feel like it's just better to be quiet. That's yeah, a big yeah. part of why I want this hiatus and why I feel strange about the, the podcast. Like I, I feel perfectly fine talking about painting or about video art, but I get really uncomfortable. What's my position on this and that? Mm -hmm. and, the, and, and like, who am I to talk about it? And uh, Yeah, and I can respect that. And, I, and yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with this, or maybe you're not, with this idea of normalcy and like unsettling normalcy. But like, <clears throat> really what you're also talking about is like feeling uncomfortable um, at times Like, but not continuously, but at times it's part of how we grow because, you know, otherwise, you know, you kind of, if, if yeah, you're yeah, always but, comfortable, but, everything's kind of normalized, right? But what I'm trying to say is that um, speaking about these issues person to person is perfectly fine. I don't feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. because, but speaking That's, to you online and then everything being frozen there yeah, and it could be taken out of context and people love attacking. And, yeah. Well, uh, I always say though, like that you actually have the... I was someone messaged me yesterday that they were listening to the podcast while they're listening. They message. I don't know if that ever happens to you while they're, while they're listening, they message you, but like, and they're saying, wow, Raphael interrupts you a lot. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, like he doesn't interrupt me that much, but I don't mind. And B he's making some of the hardest arguments. <laughs> like you're making much harder arguments, I think on the podcast than I am. And what do you mean harder? <laughs> Because you're often arguing For I wouldn't say the devil's advocate position, but for like you said, like the like I'm very left leaning, and I'm almost like I'm preachy at times, right? Like um, to the point where it's like I'm so idealistic. And by the way, in my work life, people also accuse me all the time of being over, overtly too idealistic. Um, but that's and it. But I find it just so easy to be idealistic, right? It's like. It, you know, it's such an easy path. The harder path, I think, is in the nuance, is in the gray areas that you actually traverse. Well, I think um, I like, I like uh, for the sake of a, a conversation, to contradict people. So yeah, it well, it makes it a more interesting position. Yeah. But, he, like, you know, we have this, you know, uh, I was watching The Disaster Artist last night, which I was like... I love that one. <laughs> I, I wasn't even sure if I should watch it, because I was like, this seems like something that I'm politically going to dislike. And for some reason, at the end of the movie, I cried. Mm. And Why I, did you think that you would dislike it politically? Because I thought there, you know, it was going to be about making, they're making fun, fun of, of something. Yeah, making fun of someone with a disability, you know. And then, but what what I found really there was something I don't I actually haven't really figured fully fully figured this out like why I cried because <laughs> I was like I was angry at times during the film but then in the end I think why you cried is because you saw an artist even as crazy as he was who's very vulnerable in his ambition he's like I want to be the next James Dean mm -hmm. and it was clear that he wasn't but he's like I don't care what reality says I'm just gonna go for it yeah I, yeah I think you're right like I think also I. 
at, at one point was cringing because I was like, you know what? I'm really close to this guy. Like, <laughs> Where did like, your money come from? Like, Who are you? <laughs> yeah, like, people do don't really know this? how old I am. <laughs> I do... <laughs> I like, you know, when I do things, people are like, that was a little bit crazy, but I, for some reason, liked it or I cringed a lot. But at the end, I, I laughed. <laughs> Did you watch and, the after the credits when they show all the, the original footage and yeah. their f- version? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I went and watched the trailer for the original movie. Now I, I, I was like, should I watch the original movie? I mean, <laughs> but then I remembered at the Academy Awards, like James Franco um, was up on stage and then the guy, the, I think this was the reason that I was like uncomfortable. It's like the Baizo, the guy that the, the film's about, he was there and he ran up, or Wizo, he ran up on stage and he was about to take the mic and, and then the, he stole it back, right? Like, and I was like, that's so mean. Why didn't he let him speak? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I think that there was the vulnerability ultimately yeah, of that yeah. of that artist in that moment, and the fact that he was willing to spend six million dollars and be vulnerable, um, and maybe if he, even if he had a billion dollars, it was still just like I don't know. There was like something really beautiful about that idea. That yeah, I, I saw an interview with the two of them on some late show, and uh, he said that he had a billboard up for the movie for maybe two years in L.A. in a pretty famous spot, and he was just rich, so he just had the billboard and kept on paying. And it just had his personal cell phone number on it <laughs> as a marketing tool. Just call me anytime. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, I mean, Chris Burden did that. You know, like it's yeah. in a way like if he was in contemporary art, he probably. <laughs> 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 it's, just, it's just Hollywood so cheesy. Like, and that, then that was the other thing. I was like, actually, like his movie's probably more interesting than a formulaic movie that everyone would say is great. You know. Um, and there's actually all this like fan writing and like analysis of the film. I don't know if you looked it up online. Yeah, yeah. But they're like people it's writing one of those movies that you can keep researching. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, in, like in the movie anyway, they say that the reason that is is because it's a reflection of his of him, right? It's his. It's it's a, it's really personal a personal expression, and 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 therefore he was confusing and like a contradiction. And then that ends up in the film. And ultimately, you know, we've talked about that on the podcast before, like just doing what you feel and being you uh, can sometimes be like avant-garde. Yeah. And uh, the podcast is also, I think a lot of times it's the two of us exaggerating our personalities. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's true. I'm like, Oh, an artist should be like an artist and just do whatever you want and don't worry about nothing. And, I know and you're like, oh, the, the artist should reach out to people and make the world a better place. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, but we kind of both believe in both points of view. I mean, yeah. we should probably but, l- but, let but, our but, listeners but, in But on the that. thing that, that made me think why the podcast is problematic for me is this idea of opinion. And then when I think of my own work, I try really hard to make work that is free of opinion. Yeah. As a... a editorial I, free. No editorial in your... Well, what I mean is, if I if I think about great works of art that yeah. I think are awesome, when when I think of the most famous haiku is the 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 frog poem is it the uh, hokusai is an old pond, frog jumps, sound of water, and so mm. it's very hard to set a scene and create a mental image and not using words like beautiful, amazing, crazy wild right. an angry frog stomping on the stupid water and like 
you and it's very hard to uh, evoke energy in someone's brain without opinion and i yeah. i think that is a very interesting thing that art can do that other media have a hard time doing because it would be boring and and so i like that realm of of uh observation without too much emotion and so conversation just naturally asks you all the time what do you think of this would and so that's why I, I felt a contradiction with no, and I think the medium really, of podcasting. I mean, it's a very interesting topic. This, you know, I'm going through this, um, I think I mentioned on previous podcasts, there's sort of crisis at work with people leaving and stuff. And we were calling on our like leaders to like lead a certain way. And the CEO sent me, I'm being totally transparent now, like probably breaking some <laughs> corporate <laughs> laws, sent me a, sent us all like a, you know, passage from a book this week and, and he highlighted a section and it was like, it was researching like great leadership. And they're like, you know, in all of the companies we've ever studied, we have found that it, you could be, you have the best strategy. You could, you know, have the most money. Um, you could be the best communicators, the mo- the best managers. But like, we found that none of that was correlated to success. That in almost all cases, it was correlated to the ability to lead with the heart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to like to connect with people emotionally, um, and that when people say emotionally, I go, oh, it's cheesy, it's cheesy. It's like, but you know, like you said with that frog thing, <clears throat> ultimately, like we, and it's hard for me. You know, I'm not going to try and express this in language, but ultimately, like what you're saying is like it. It's the it's what's unsaid or not said that's more potent than anything. We yeah, can say. and that that doesn't mean it, it couldn't be written that it couldn't be in words, but. Um uh, it, uh, I'm reading a lot of this author Karl Over Knausgaard. Do you mm-hmm. know him? Uh, no. He's Norwegian, he... and he wrote this six-volume diary, and now he's read uh, wrote these four seasons where he just does essays with observations. Where um, uh, he has a daughter, son coming up, a child, and he's it's sort of as an exercise, just describing the world. And so one, it's almost like Seinfeld, but without jokes. So. One chapter is on Q-tips, and he just describes what a Q-tip is and how it functions. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, a Q-tip is a cardboard s- a cylinder with t- two pieces of cotton at the end that f- fit within the ear, but the package d- doesn't say that it doesn't give you any instructions what to do. But I found out I greatly enjoy uh, <laughs> cleaning my ears with them, and I wonder if other people do. But what we do in bathrooms is private, and it, that is even one of the more personal chapters. And some of the chapters are just like. Well, this is a knife, and it occurs in many cultures, and and then trying to describe the knife in words, which is very hard to do. Almost like mm-hmm. if you had the only way to communicate to an alien race was uh, by phone, and you had to describe your world. So, yeah, like, oh, that's very interesting. Instead of being like, this is right, that's wrong, and I believe, and this is how it should be, and yeah. No, that's that's great. I want to. But read that, that in itself is an opinion already, being against opinions, but. Uh, well, it's really hard, you know, like Jeremy normally on the podcast at this point would be like, don't you know, Raphael, like <laughs> the death of the author, you know, like, you know, Bart said that, you know, the subjectivity of the reader reigns supreme. And Yeah, but, but you know, that, that's my point, that yeah. the more you're in the background and showing something and not telling people how to feel. Yeah, yeah, you can't really, yeah, exa- yeah, yeah, so okay, Jeremy should have made that argument. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you start talking in the third person. <laughs> Jeremy's getting upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I've reached Pete Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, so what are we gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna take a hiatus. Yeah. Um, are we gonna you know? We'll be podcasters people... at large. Here's a question because like I was telling some people about the podcast in Chicago a couple days ago, and and they're like. I was like, we're always looking for advertising, and no one wants advertising. <laughs> and they're like, oh, "Well, God, no, wait, we could advertise. Yes, take like I want to advertise this thing." But anyway, everyone put up their hand. Um, I wonder, like, if people were to send in ads or field recordings, um, can we still post those, or is that like a yeah, sure? You you could we'd also have to read if, the, if, I always thought of um, so the, for me the podcast was partly. Uh, we both do artist talks and performances, and this I thought was a more accessible, distributed version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I, we also talked about having guests, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but we always nixed that. It's the reason, one of the main reasons I didn't want guests was a logistical one because I just know how hard it is to get someone to sit down at a certain time with decent audio quality. And, but. Um, I, it could turn into an interview medium. I don't know, but there's mm. already a lot of interviews, huh? Yeah. Well, the only interview I w- I'd want to hear from you, and maybe that's what we're gonna, you know, we end up doing during this hiatus, and maybe if the hiatus is permanent, that's fine too. But like, um, I wonder if there are other like low cost, low production value ways of uh, of having conversations, or not even having conversations of of expressing. I don't know this kind of vulnerability being open and transparent like I'd love to go I know you love going to tea rooms and and like mm-hmm. Japanese noodle houses and things like that but like if you just if you just like put your phone on the table during a conversation um, yeah, yeah yeah but there's something also that uh, about privacy that I didn't value that's true. before it's true and it, it, it's very funny because I I really came up I think one of our first episodes was about small countries. So you're at a disadvantage. You don't have as glamorous of an art world. And uh, the Dutch art world is is very particular, and I didn't feel at home there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, okay, got to create my own platform. And I thought, oh, well, everything's opaque because that's the the way they keep people out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it turns out there's other reasons why things are opaque and hidden. Because it... it, uh, And... There's always that cliche that art is a language, and it's very well, hard just, to grasp. You were just making that argument, were you? Like, a... yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very. <laughs> it, 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 I've heard it so many times. Like, I'm sure you heard it already in art school, and people are like, well, art is another language that you can speak about, but it's, you're not really speaking the language until you make art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's you just did the whole cut your tongues thing. Yeah, we're, we're covered. Got it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, but and, and but what I mean is that I now understand why a lot of artists. Are okay. shy or reluctant mm-hmm. to speak in public or reluctant right. to voice their opinions. No, you're right. And I've always been very critical of those artists, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, yeah. No, like it's, it's exactly the, the stereotype of the, the, the male uh, art star that is like, fuck the world, I'm going to get rich. And Yeah. Oh, is that me? <laughs> no, but that's the yeah. stereotype you were fighting, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, but I, if I go to, yeah, exactly. If I go see an artist talk and it's, especially if it's a white male and they and they're terrible at speaking i'm like fuck this shit like this person doesn't deserve this this privilege in this spot and i and i have to i have to be careful of that because you're right like if i have that attitude you know maybe someone else that um that feels that way that isn't that privileged white male might also not be comfortable speaking and i have had this experience before when i was teaching where i was like 
you know, certain students, I'd be like, why aren't you presenting your identity in this work? And, and like, you know, why aren't you being vulnerable about this or that? And they're like, because I, because I felt that way my whole life and art is my one escape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I like, you know what? I really respect that. Like, why should you have to make uh, work about, um, you know, being a woman of color? That's, you don't, you like, you get to choose. Um, and that, and you have always argue, argued for that on the podcast. You get to choose. And um, so I think, you know, it's great that you're choosing today. Like, hey, you know what? I don't want to do this right now. Yeah, and, and the the thing that made it hard for me to decide is that I really enjoy doing the park. I really love hanging out with other artists, and this is hanging out with another artist. And so, uh, one of the things I found surprising is that uh, Skype is is fine with family, but it's really hard with other artists. So I, I have a lot of friends around the world, and it's not it's very uncomfortable to ask someone like, "Hey, should we Skype? Uh, what about?" Well, let's just. But if you're in the same city and you want to have a coffee or have lunch together, that's totally mm-hmm. normal. But mm-hmm. so I I really enjoy these Skype meetings. I just am very uh, I I really changed my mind about uh, sharing so much online. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we were the one thing to remember is that we were having these conversations before we started recording them. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you you, just you came to up. New York for quite a uh, quite often for a period of time. Yeah, and then sometimes you would follow up just with a Skype call though, and we would chat about you know how are things and yeah. Sometimes yeah, you exactly. make an excuse like Christine and I want to go on vacation. Can we chat with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, well, uh, those were also genuine questions, but. Um, that's exactly you're one of the more skype friendly people but there's just other people that i know Mm. that i always see them if i'm in the same city but i would just not ask them to hang out on skype i think because i'm in i mean i don't know yeah i'm i I fit skype just fits in nicely to my compressed um busy schedule and it also fits your persona uh, your online persona yeah i always said like you're the webcam guy yeah that was gonna be my strategy so I mean, that was the one thing, if I was going to take this actually to the next level, is we would do this as a video, uh, a vlog cast or video mm-hmm. cast. Did you um, ever think about doing that for yourself as your character to sort of have a, a Snapchat channel talking yeah. in, in, in yeah. turtleneck? And- I've thought about it every day for like 10 or 15 years. Like, <laughs> I, I, I honestly I have uh, because yeah. I, I was mimicking that, you know, model and then that model got like really advanced. <clears throat> and um, I think Anne Hirsch did it. She did a, 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 a much better job of it. She had a character that did it for over a year and, and got six million viewers. It's just really hard to compete now. And, I, and then, but the the, other, the, uh, isn't it more fitting for your character the lower the numbers are? I, I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind I of mean, funny. It, 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 when you think of it as a as a comedic act, like if if your channel had two followers and like maybe <laughs> the first episode had twenty viewers and, and then it tapers off. Yeah, so maybe I could still do it. I mean, <laughs> at the same time, I'm exploring new things, but that would be a new exploration. Just like, just doing a bad job of what I already did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 I still think that um, archival practice versus ephemeral practice. So if you do Snapchat performance and it disappears after a day, the same yeah. way you do performances and they disappear after a day, I still think that's less democratic and doesn't match with your. Mm. Uh, ideals of reaching people around the world and energizing people and if, if you're really like oh you have to follow me at 10 thir- between 10 30 and 
11.30. Yeah, I mean, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before. Like, my thinking on this topic has evolved to the point where, like, I, I believe, like, founding companies is the way I, I'm enjoying doing this right now because you were like, oh, you have this project up, you know, when is it over? And I was like, it doesn't, it's an, it never ends. Um, like, I'm registering the companies, we're advertising, right? We're, like, developing the next product. We're putting out press releases, you know. I really love this idea of, and it's not even a new idea, but just of like, um, the corporation is this, um, it's both ephemeral and that it's always producing perform. It's always performing. Uh, it's always producing content, but it's also, um, it's also, um, uh, eternal. Like it never, it's like part of the scary thing about it is it doesn't require a human being to function, it requires a collective. Of yeah, it can even uh, it, like a brand can disappear and then reappear with another company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you know, its icons can be handed down from generation to generation. Like the characters, all the lore, the values. It's like anyway. Uh, it's I think almost- the band uh, Kiss. They they always mention that Kiss is bigger than us, and he's like, if I die, someone else can wear the makeup. That's the whole point of the makeup. Yeah, yeah. And so that, I'm really fascinated with that idea right now is like my expression, my unique performative gesture. And so the YouTube channel, yeah, that like in doing YouTube videos, I still love it. And it's like this podcast. It's like it got me to a place um, and I still perform as that character. But, um, you know, with it, I think it's an interesting thought in relation to this podcast. You can you eventually hit this like minimum maximum where it's like you feel like well, the original idea is there. It's kind of done. Um, is what else is there? You know, like maybe, yeah. and, and, maybe and, there's something else. It is interesting sure. to me when I think about how I discovered the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, my initial, uh, I don't know, we talked about the early internet memories. And the first thing you do on the internet is try to find things of things you already know about, but you want to find out more. Kind mm-hmm. of like an encyclopedia. That was my first instinct. So I was into comic books and I wanted to find lyrics of bands that I couldn't find otherwise and things like that. But then uh, maybe a few months later, I'm like, what could happen on the internet that cannot happen in real life? That mm. what, what can this medium do that television can't do, that comic books can't do, that exhibitions can't do? So I started finding these things like Jody and other early net artists with strange experiments for the browser. Right. And you're like, oh, this is really interesting. But there was no preachy aspect of the things that I found. It just was. It just was. And it's, a, it's, it's a, like they're creating trees. They're not creating pictures of trees. They're, mm-hmm. It's creating these things you can look at. And then social media comes along and it, it, the internet goes more to like, hey, this is what's happening outside of the screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is real life. And it, and it starts to integrate with real life um, and I, I guess I'm very interested in the, yeah, I guess I'm still stuck on browser art. It, it, it just no, social I, media I think, and opinions is just... Uh, I think you're, you're saying that, like, you know, in terms of Marshall McLuhan kind of thing, it's like the medium was the message, and then all of a sudden that got really complicated. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we and, didn't and, know what well, the medium or the message was. It's anymore. not even that it's necessarily a good or bad thing, but uh, um, it became, the internet became about opinion and personality much more. Hmm. Whereas for me, like it was always about personality because of this like early two thousands, um, the wave that I caught, right. Was this in, and, and, and a few other, you know, other artists as well, uh, was this wave of 
the internet empowers um, personal media. And so for an individual and their persona to be crafted. And for me, this was coming also from a queer kind of position like, hey, you can be uh, you and maybe even oppressed in your in your in your day life. But like you can be whatever you want, whatever fantastic creature in your Internet life. Um, Yeah. But but for me, um, that that sort of feeling of uh, uh, having personal doubts and feeling different or feeling excluded they don't have to be uh, the the expression of that feeling doesn't have to literally be like, hey guys, I'm from a certain position and I'm being. Uh, it, it can be mm-hmm. you can it can be expressed in a much more ambiguous and abstract way. Like you could make yeah, a, a geometric yeah. work that addresses that as well, and or like what you is could it, make a sound a, piece that yeah. makes you feel about alienation instead of saying, hey, alienation sucks. I think you're making a really good point, and you know, like Web 2.0 drowned drowned out all of this experimentation, this formal experimentation on the internet, right? And it became yeah, uh, it also created social. new experimentation. So I, I, I don't think it's yeah. good or bad, but uh. yeah, but like the idea of you know, what is a quiet gesture on the internet? Right? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's probably a YouTube video without views. You know, it's probably. Um, a web page created in a teenager's bedroom that no one ever sees. <laughs> it's like there, but I don't, whether there are not, there are quiet gestures that are popular. I mean, I think you, that's what you were. I always knew you as like the most visited artist on the internet, actually. Like I think mm-hmm. um, you had millions of views when that idea of millions of views was like, there are only a few million people on the internet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but um, the, the, the it, I, I really think it, it's, it's, Fine that it exists, but it's just for me personally that I, um, it's it's very hard to switch back and forth between the scholarly and analytical and the am- mm-hmm. am- ambiguous and the dreamy. Yeah, the the ephemeral and the emotional or the empathetic. Yeah, it's very hard to just, and that's what I mean with this example of like we should make a better school that's more affordable. It would be very hard for me to be like, okay, half the week I'm looking at budgets and we're looking at promotion and getting people together and then half the week i'm like what does a trial have to do with a square but you know as you know yeah as you know like that's what i'm personally interested in figuring out how to do and it might be impossible i might die and be like Raphael was right but what i'm really interested in doing is creating a business model like that haiku or like you know or or like or a social system that's like that haiku and everyone recognizes its beauty not for its logic but um but before it's before something human that we can't like that it has it just doesn't exist right now right like the way i i perceive this happening is one day you know if i just continue down this path i'll i'll wake up and i've had a few of these moments and i can't explain them in words to your point where i look up and there's like a crowd of people and we're all sharing like this happened a couple of days ago because we were I was doing this Latinx uh, uh, discussion event that was that came out of one of these uh, my projects and it wasn't me that did any of it it was this community and this other artist and it all existed at this museum because of pursuing this idea and the conversation I was midway through a conversation with a group of people from all over North and South America all you know self-identified. Latinx, but others, and they were having the most interesting conversation 
that I could never have imagined. And in that moment, I felt really, you know, really teary eyed. Like it was, it was very beautiful. And I know that it was just all expressing people expressing opinion, but I didn't, I I don't know. I I just found it like there was, you're saying that language can't be beautiful, but um, no, no, no. I'm just, it's really, this is a very personal statement. So I, I absolutely believe that, uh, there are many groups that need encouragement to have the courage to uh, express themselves in exhibitions and, and visual art. And BYOB was a big part of that, of removing the the, the Yeah, like first when you're step. standing when you're standing in in the middle of BYOB, that <clears throat> that iconic New York version of it, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you feel in your yeah? Heart? It was like great, this- great energy, and the, the the whole BYOB thing for me was that I'm so co- uh, controlling in my own work and yeah. you know, where every piece goes. And BYOB was about not any editorial control, and everyone shows whatever they want, and it's really great energy. That's uh, what I'm getting at. I mean, that's yeah. where I think like the flux is happening. But it's just for me personally. I, if I talk too much, I can't do that much that's but that, like but the that's talking I, part of my brain yeah that, so i i agree but i think that's where our podcast fails like if i can be critical of our podcast for a second yeah. which is that like both of us is trying to pursue this idea of a happening in the way you're doing it you're doing it through like hey i have this this simple be- beautiful gesture and i'd like everyone's subjectivity to inform their reading of it and the way i'm doing it is i'd like to perform a gesture that allows everyone to come and express themselves together and for us to share in that collective energy. And you've also done that. But the podcast, in a way, we never get to feel that energy. We never get to feel the result. I mean, we sometimes do when people call in or or send us an email or, or whatever. But generally... Yeah, but I think it, it, uh, one does not exclude the other. So it, I... I mm-hmm. um, it, it, the fact that I do BYOB and it's a social event and it's out of my control doesn't mean that I can also make very controlled websites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think uh, the fact that you, uh, like you as an example, if you start a corporation that starts running on its own and you're a board member and you have a a more distant role and every three months you come in and you motivate people and then you go back to your own uh, nerdy explorations behind the webcam, yeah, uh, I, I don't think, uh, and I think that's something that comes up a lot in, uh, in when artists are forming themselves. It's like, am I allowed to do different things at the same time? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can do you can do as many things as you like. I mean, yeah, and then every now and then you just close your eyes and, and analyze what you're feeling, and then you're like, okay, I, I want to continue with A, B, and D, but uh, track C is not working. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or track C has led its course and it's time to give it a rest and maybe come back later. Well, I think to bring a management you know, conversation into this, which I, I sometimes do, is like a, a manager should be able to identify in their team. Like if someone is, it, it, like the saying is, if you bring that person and their problems home with you, or if you think about it, if you find yourself thinking about someone on your team a lot or... Um, you know, talking to your partner about them and just be, and, and feeling like, oh, I just can't figure this person out. Chances are that person's not in the right role, you know, because um, you're trying to force a square peg into a circle hole when what you should really be trying to do is find the square hole for that person. Um, and the same can be true for your own art career, right? Like where you keep trying to force the square peg in the circle hole and like, <laughs> It just and it doesn't feel right, and you're like, why don't people get it? Why don't I understand? And it's like actually because 
you don't need a circle hole, you need a square hole. Like, go find a square hole for mm. this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll be a lot happier. Kristen, my partner, I immediately recognized that when I started dating her. And then, we, you know, later we got married. But she was hated painting, was so frustrated with painting. Everyone was so catty and competitive in the painting world. And But she really loved, you know, teaching. She's like, so I'm going to make performances about teaching. I was like, why are you making performances about teaching? Like, no, no one's going to turn up to these things. <laughs> it's why funny. It, it so, when you verbalize it, it sounds so obvious. So why not teach? <laughs> so it's like, why don't you become a teacher? It's like... I keep doing these openings, but what I'm really interested in is the <laughs> snacks. I like preparing the snacks for other people. Yeah. But there's like a, quite often in the art world, like, and I'm recognizing this in myself as well. That's why I'm like less sensitive to, I used to be shy that like, oh, I had leave this corporate life and like seem to get weird joy about it. But I got to keep that a secret from everyone. Because if they find out like I'm, a, you know, in the art world, that, that that's, the, that's the truth. And they're, they're going to think I'm not legit. <clears throat> Turns out that like, Hey, like, I just think that that's how I express myself. I express myself through management, and which sounds terrible. <laughs> but it's really, I really love it. I, so I read like a well, management when you book think every about, week. When you think about having a unique position in the art world, there's not that many people who use management as an <laughs> art form. So uh, there you go. Right, right. But I also love performing. It, I mean, the, the, the truth is I like, enjoy doing both things, but I get a lot more energy out of, like, the management, strangely. You know, like, it's really weird. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, um, that's it, I guess. <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have a field recording this week, we should tell people, right? We don't no. have an advertisement. Uh, we no, have, we just chill. We, we could be silent together. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I'm sure we'll come back and maybe we'll do it live sometime. Uh, that would be interesting. Well, this is like the thing, because I was like on my way to New York in a few weeks and I'm actually going to hover just outside the city and I have to make a decision. Raphael, should I come into the city <laughs> or not? Yeah. Should I enter the gates? <laughs> well, there's so much to do here. There's so much to eat. Yeah. Um, but there's no... Do, do you still listen soon. to podcasts? Other ones? Yeah, less and less. I enjoy our podcast. <laughs> but I do, I listen to, as I've said before, like the Verge cast, which is a super nerdy, like, and doesn't need any help podcast about tech. Like, they have millions of listeners. I listen to Still Processing, a, a New York Times podcast about identity politics. It's a great podcast. Like, if we are going to hand off to, like, here's some great podcasts. Um, I listen to very few podcasts like our own that are, su are super small. I think I should go out and listen and look for some of those. Yeah, I just noticed that for a while I was very excited about the medium of podcasts, and I was like, why aren't more artists podcasting? It's so accessible and it's so easy to start and it's so easy to distribute. But I, I also listen to very few podcasts, and I also yeah. Um, it's it's like shutting out noise. At, at first you're like, oh, this is really interesting, and then at some point you're like. Why am I listening to all these conversations when I should be focusing on my own work? And, uh, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Kristen got me like a boombox for my bike for my birthday. <clears throat> and she's like, don't wear headphones on your bike. It's dangerous. I was like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll put this boombox on my bike. And so I'm listening to podcasts on my bike. And at a certain point, I'm like, wait a second. Like the kind of the sound of the city is kind of more interesting. Or like, I really want to hear those birds, right? Like, because mm -hmm. the headphones were no longer in my ears. Yeah. And I think it's what we've always talked about with field recordings. Like, there's a very beautiful soundtrack um, that's not people talking. Yeah. Oh, there um, must be a great field recording podcast. I don't know them. Maybe somebody knows. Well, I think I do want to encourage our listeners to continue to send us field recordings 
and for us to just let the field recordings uh, fill in this gap, however long it is. Yeah, or we um, just make it an advertising podcast. Yeah, sure. Ads and field recordings. I'm. I'd be happy, and I think it would be beautiful if you all did that. But you know, it's up to you, really. Yeah. Um, and they might. You might forget us. You know, maybe we'll disappear into the <clears throat> darkness of well, the. I, I hope that it's still darkest a, web. A, a, it can help some people if they're like, oh, how do people approach certain topics? And uh, yeah, yeah. Like if you dare go back through ninety episodes, ninety hours of content. <laughs> I mean, you could really binge on this show. Like, yeah. you could go three days straight. Uh, you could take a long, long. I, I don't do that so much with other podcasts. Uh, go back, but uh, a lot of listeners have sent me notes that they are they have done that. They've okay. gone all the way back through the catalog. I don't know how they how they bear it, um, but they do. I mean, if you're in your studio, I think what is I often hear is like you are there. You know, you're thinking through ideas. You don't really need something to think about heavily, but. You know, having some friends with you is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I even feel good that we've just been. Well, there's you know, two there's many friends. different types of people. There's people who always, like I thought about this. We start the day with uh, classical music at breakfast, and other people mm. want to have the news and they want to have as much information as possible. So right, there's something for everyone. Did you ever listen to um, Car Talk on NPR? No, Clicking no, clocks. you mentioned them, yeah. Okay. It's just two friends talking about cars, two brothers, actually. And it was really just their rapport. Like, the car stuff was nonsense. Like, and, and I don't think anyone ever listened because of the car information they had. Maybe, it, kind of. But you're really tuning in to hang out with two people that really loved spending time together. And... Um, so the thing I'm going to miss, you know, is is spending time with you because I do uh, really love it. Yeah. Well, we can um, still always hang out. That's not the problem. No, I know, yeah. but I uh, hopefully it's our different. you know our, yeah. our friends who listen, um, who enjoy spending time with two friends, uh, we're not dying. <laughs> you feel free to continue to reach out, um, and uh, and we and we're still there with you in spirit. Um, yeah. Okay, that's it. Okay, it's been lovely. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. And thank, thank you, your audience. Should we do like, bye, Raphael? Yeah. <laughs> bye, Jeremy. <laughs> See bye ya. bye.